0: Hello everybody and welcome to uh, this episode of Zest Radio. Today uh, I'm fortunate enough to have with me Neil Dallas from McKinnis wilson in uh, Brisbane and Neil's got a range of experience but he uh, especially uh, specialises in self-managed superannuation funds. So today we're going to have a bit of a conversation with Neil around uh, some of the things that uh, can go wrong with self-managed superannuation. and um, as usual, the information that we go through today is really just general in nature, and so if you've got any specific issues that you need advice on, I'd encourage you to um, approach somebody directly. And of course, at the end of uh, this presentation and in the notes to the podcast, we'll have Neil's contact details if you need to get uh, get in touch with him. So um, Neil's been. Um, in the game, I guess 20 to 25 years now, Neil? Yeah, I think I sort of cut my teeth in super back
1: in 93 doing uh, deed upgrades as we were then doing. SIS uh, had just, just come in, so um, it's
0: probably more than 25 years, but yeah, it's yeah, long enough. So a lot of experience, and I guess over that time there's been a lot of changes, and um, uh, your qualifications in commerce law certainly match up with this, and what I really like about your background is it. You've also got a graduate diploma in applied finance and investment, which uh, yeah,
1: probably signs of misspent youth. But um, (laughs) um, I guess I've come at it from a tax background initially, and and uh, but being a lawyer, that's a bit of an unusual um, set of qualifications, and including the super side of things, so uh, a bit of a unique skill set there. But. I guess it sets me up well for advising clients in this area whether it's super estate planning tax that sort of those sorts yeah because you've got a
0: massive taxation as well so
1: yeah again uh, another song of a youth yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh i probably could have uh, done other things but um yeah i'm glad to get that one under the belt and um, that was a few years ago but uh yeah that was a tough course that one
0: yeah right anyway it's good so you've got a lot of broad experience that uh, is unique, and you'll be able to provide clients with, uh, I guess, advice across a whole range of areas, which is great. And um, as I said, today is really about the SMSF sector. And I guess one thing we've noticed, certainly in the financial advising space, is that they've become a lot more popular uh, as time goes on, and they still seem to be uh, uh, being opened up at a great rate of knots now. Um, and I guess we've found that with a lot of people setting them up. Um, and they do that obviously for the incredible flexibility and the control that they have over their money. But with that, we've found can potentially come a, uh, a lot of problems. So I guess that flexibility can be a bit of a double edged sword. Yeah, uh, it can cut both
1: ways. I guess what we see and um, without putting too fine a point on it, we often see the where things go wrong. So, and often that's as a result of the clients not understanding how SMSFs work. They forget that the uh, SM is is self-managed, so you're meant to be in there having a bit of knowledge. Yes, you get the advisors on side, but if you if you don't actually understand how, how a super fund works, um, it probably isn't for you. Um, but control tends to be the key, and that's where we see things falling apart. And sometimes that's, again, if we're talking in the estate planning context, um, when typically husband and wife are members of a fund, and when one of them dies, then Uh, and sometimes that's the the husband goes first, the men always seem to go first. Uh, (laughs) uh, The wife's left behind and she may be less inclined to be engaged with the fund. So sometimes it's about the level of engagement um, and there may be high levels of engagement initially, but um, as time goes on and as people get older, um, that level of engagement can fall away. So that's um, quite often where we see some some of the issues, particularly uh, at the moment, uh, emerging issues. Yeah. capacity, um, just people not wanting to be engaged. Well, the other one that we see is when they start putting others in, so putting children into the fund, and it sounds like a good idea at the time, um, but uh, it's almost a case of having to pick your favourite child and hope that they're going to do the right thing by their siblings. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, so so you're absolutely right. That flexibility is uh, a great thing to have, but it's also a double-edged sword when, when you come to uh, doing your planning. And I guess part of that uh, planning is really to get that, structure right from the beginning um, because if you don't get it right and you don't have the proper documentation which uh, I think over the last few years the courts have provided a few rulings that are, are providing some good guidance around this now um, there can be some um, Disasters and money going into the wrong uh, Wrong hands at the wrong time. I guess And over your um, tenure. I'm sure you would have seen a few SMSF disasters in your time.
1: Yeah, Um and increasingly so, uh, I guess in recent times, we've had a few um, uh, situations where we're trying to un- undo or at least reduce the the effect of a disaster. Um, for example, we've had a few occasions recently, two, two specific occasions uh, of what I would call financial abuse. So in both cases, husband and wife in a fund, uh, husband had control of the purse strings, wives didn't understand or weren't engaged with the fund. Um, Unfortunately, in both cases, they were individual trustees of the fund, which made for um, interesting issues in terms of penalties that might be imposed. In both scenarios, husband effectively took out the bulk of the assets of the fund. Um, In one case, just spent it um, on things that were never going to be recovered. In another case, spent it on bad investments, which again, no recovery. Wives weren't aware of this until too late in the day. Um, in each case, they were separately then advised by their then advisers about what to do or what not to do. Um, surprisingly, the advisers were keen to um, say do nothing for the moment, um, which I found a bit startling because, as a lawyer, the first uh, the first obligation the SMSF rules, is to tell the ATO when there's been a non-compliance. And so when they came to us and said, look, this is just a disaster. Um, how to, we can't recover the money. We're worried about compliance. We're worried about being hit personally because we're the individual trustees of the fund. What can we do? And my first reaction was, well, we'll tell the ATO. And there was shock and horror and aren't we going to have massive tax bills? And I said, well, it's not a case where the ATO's Never going to find out. It's, it's a fund that the ATA that the knows about. Sooner or later they're going to be asking where's that return? Where's where's what's the fund doing? Um, in both cases, we made full disclosure, um, told the whole sorry story uh, of effectively financial abuse and which led into emotional abuse. And I suspect in some cases there may be even to the point of domestic abuse. Um, which is a very hot topic at the moment, but that whole financial abuse, emotional abuse then saw us positioned well with the ATO and in both cases got a good result in so far as the ATO said, we will take no action against your clients, uh, even though the fund's not complying, we won't hit them up for um, the penalty tax that we could impose upon them as trustees individually. So good results there, um,
0: David, otherwise that is clouded. Yeah, that is a great result and um, it's interesting because you've touched on something there that, uh, that we've found a lot and that is the use of individual trustees as opposed to corporate trustees and if I go back 10 or 15 years, it seems that uh, you know there's this cost focus around the structure and I, I mentioned getting the structure right yeah. to begin with and people focus on some of the wrong things I think when they set these things up. It might save you a couple of bucks initially but it can be extremely costly. Yeah,
1: for $250 or $300 a year, um, the pain that you have in that scenario, but in other situations, particularly the estate planning context, um, the whole notion of going through at a time when typically husband and wife, one of the the spouses has died, the surviving spouse is left to deal with the grief. And then on top of that, uh, by the way, you need to transfer all these assets out of your husband or wife's name into a, You've got to find a new trustee, transfer to the new trustee, go through all that pain and suffering at that time when you're trying to deal with other aspects which are bigger than the self-managed super fund. Uh, yeah, my, in my experience it's better to, if you've got individual trustees, sort that out now, do the swap over. Yes, there's a bit of pain administratively to get um, all the assets into the new company, um, but it's a whole lot less pain um, when the inevitable happens, and it's it's also an easier transition, um, not only because you're not having to deal with the transfer of the property, uh, the assets of the fund, but also because you're not having to find another trustee if you don't want if you if the surviving spouse is happy to keep running the fund on their own.
0: Yeah, and I guess there's always a control issue if you've got to bring another uh, trustee in with you if yeah, something happens. Often it's pick the favourite child and pick the right one
1: because if. They're not the right one. Um, they're they're then potentially in control of the the ultimate distribution of the of the of the fund on the death of the surviving spouse. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> no, that's that's a really good uh, really good story. Tell me, have you have you got any stories around say where some estate planning's gone wrong and perhaps one of the kids in the family have received more money than uh, were supposed to?
1: Not not directly, but I'm dealing with one at the moment where there is that potential scenario. Um, one where, and this one we had, we had mum and dad, and we've got son and daughter, We uh, actually got two daughters. Um, son and daughter were at one stage trustees with mum and dad, and they had um, benefits in the fund. Um, daughters pulled out and taken her money and, and put it in a separate fund, which is good, but we're now left with mum, dad and son in the fund. They've done the right thing, they've changed the trustee, so we now have a corporate trustee with mum and dad and son as directors, um, But the issue they've got at the moment is that mum and dad, um, the only reason the son's in there as a, as a beneficiary, as a member, uh, is because mum and dad previously put in concessional contributions into the, into the super fund from their business, but under the name of their son, so they could get another deduction. They still consider that money to be theirs, not the son's. The son says, well, it's my money and thanks very much, I'll." I want that, it's not part of the estate plan. Mum and Dad say no it's part of our estate plan, we need to somehow square that up. The way they're going to do that is to have a a nomination that says when we we both aren't around uh, we'll give an amount equal to the son's benefit in the fund to each of our daughters um, first up and then we want the rest of it to go through the estate so that we then can deal with the the death benefit of the surviving spouse, we can deal with that through the estate. They've recognised that, that the son isn't going to do the right thing. He'll be the last surviving trustee in the ordinary course, um, unless he goes early, but assuming he, he lives outlives his parents, which is normal. Um, they they appreciate that, that he's not doing the right thing by them, so they need to sort out the control issues. So take away that decision-making from him by having nominations in place. Um, They've also separately got issues with their business. He's in the business as well, and he's got unpaid present entitlements owing to him. And again, they consider that to be their asset, um, but it just happens to be sitting in his name. So some of the disasters are driven by other other um, decisions made in the past that might've been good from a tax perspective and was happening whilst everyone thought that they understood what the basis on which they're doing. It's now come to the crunch when they've him on the shoulder and said, Hey son, um, that amount that's in the fund that's not really yours, we want to bring it into account. And he's saying, It's mine. And uh, fortunately, that they know about that because it's not a case that the last thing they would want is not to know about that, I think they're doing the, the right thing and just dividing everything equally. And then the son
0: says, Well, I'm still keeping my silver money. That's a really good story because uh, so often things are done with short term objectives, such as yep. not paying tax. Uh, but then the paperwork is undone and uh, nothing is done to address that. And I guess the great thing about that example is that the parents are getting all that sorted because uh, I've had a couple of situations, I guess, where people have, once they've discovered the issue, have just sort of put their head in the sand and said, well, the kids can sort that out for themselves. Yeah,
1: and uh, and the problem is typically mum and dad are the linchpins in the family. Whilst they're around, uh, everyone plays nicely. Um, What we see... Uh, not only in, in this area, but just generally with the states, is when the surviving parent dies, that's when all the fun starts. Because um, it's you weren't nice to me as a, when I was 10 years old and you used to do this, and so everything comes out because mum and dad aren't around to, um, to, to play uh, parent to the, to the now adult kids and, and often into their 50s or 60s.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. And um, so, Neil, a couple of great examples. And um, that's a really good lead-in because we will be doing a webinar with you um, in the not-too-distant future, so uh, we'll make sure we address some of those in a little bit more detail. So thanks again for your time this morning. And, and Neil, if people wanted to get a hold of you, uh, where, where would be the best uh, way to make it? Yeah, if you go
1: to the McInnes Wilson website, so that's www.m for Mary, C for Charlie, W for William, so mcw.com.au. Um, and I think you'll provide some links um, to my specific profile. Yeah. That's probably the best way to get in contact with me if people have got questions or comments.
0: Certainly. Okay. Yeah. So uh, everybody, uh, if you're looking to get in contact with um, with Neil, I'll make sure there's a link in the uh, podcast notes and a link attached to the podcast as well. So as usual, as I reminded you at the beginning, just remember that uh, the information that you've received today is really just general information. So if you've got a situation, you really need to be seeking uh, professional advice and we'll keep you informed of uh, when the webinar with uh, Neil is going to occur, we'll, we'll address a few of these issues over a, uh, a series of webinars um, in the not too distant future. So till then, take care.